It's a new day in the workroom and I've crept back in. Knocking on that back door. Hey, hey, emerging from a beast out of the sea or a wrestler or someone going to prom, etc. That's a kind of way of saying I haven't let you leave the workroom. You've been like banging on the windows. <laughs> let me out. Let me help, out. Help, help, help. Fiddling away at the combination code, trying to get out of the workroom. <laughs> Water gradually rising. So as you can tell from the episode title, we're discussing Dragula Titans. Last time we discussed it, we discussed episode one to three. Now we're doing episode four to seven. So let's kind of do an overview of the queens um, or the contestants or the monsters, I guess. However you call them, I keep calling them queens. Uh, episode four was Dungeons and Drag Queens. And that's the episode where Erica went home. Were you disappointed at this? Like, what was your impression of Erica? Sent home in a in a in a garden gnome costume, you know how the indignity, yeah, gnome warlock. the indignity for a Dracula monster. I, I'll be completely honest with you. I never really got Erica's drag as it pertains to this competition. Like I felt like it, it kind of she was going mm-hmm. for this kind of like old school fifties Hanna Barbera style of cartoony monstery sort of you know Muttley and the crew style of drag, but. I don't feel she ever gave it the proportions it needed to have to feel like kind of like I don't know impressive or something like even say in this outfit there, there was kind of it was just like a kind of a like a, a boring supermarket or like sort of Marks and Spencer's like kind of raincoat with some gems put onto it and a very like small little little crossbow and a small little pickaxe and it just was like everything was so small all the like you know it was kind of like you know the famous Serena Cha Cha Panama flag you know go big or go home <laughs> small is exactly the word i would have used as well like it felt more like the scale of an extra on a stage rather than yeah. the star you know that's the way and if you think like in the same episode you have coco cane with that a ma- massive axe, whatever it was, or hatchet or whatever it was, like which was like almost the size of her. And in comparison, then yeah, she did some nice details with the stoning, and she painted the ends red. But like, it just wasn't the same scale. And I kind of got the impression that that was okay for them to up to a certain point. Like they gave the bat costume a thumbs up, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I think they kind of got sick of it, or they realized that this is kind of where it was going. Yeah, I think it was just an understanding that this is kind of just what Erica's drag is. And I don't like. I mean, I do look at sort of say some of the other looks that Erica had done, like on their social media and stuff, are are very impressive. And even like the entrance look or or the, the kind of the starter look was was what is is an impressive look as well. And I think that you know we don't often talk much about how time limits people's ability to put things together. So people who, people who can put a look together fast or do their makeup fast will benefit. Whereas someone like Erica, perhaps given a couple more hours or more time would have been able to do something. But as we get to in talking about this, like an issue that does seem to come up later on among the cast is like a kind of a frustration from people who put a lot of effort in ahead of time, viewing people who they perceive not to be putting the same level of effort in. And I don't know whether that was what was holding Erica back, but she went <clears throat> at the right time and felt like as if she kind of knew it and, and never felt like she got over that kind of underdog sort of um, narrative. She decided... Chip on shoulder. Because yeah. they even say to her, like she, they're like, you know, 
we feel like you're not really enjoying this. It feels like you're kind of, you know, always like sort of stirred or angry or not at rest or anything like that. And I think that was very true. And I think once they said that, she kind of snapped out of it and was like, oh, I, yeah, you know, actually, I've really enjoyed being here with everybody. And I thought that was a very astute observation from, from yeah. the Voulets. And I think you're right. That entrance look was, was good, but I'd totally forgotten about it. So when she fell into the fiery pits of hell and it pans over to the wall and, her, you know, picture of them dead is on the wall you're like oh yeah that was actually a really good look why didn't we get more of that yeah exactly and that was a really like that was so oversized and big and everything it was whereas this was just it was so small and i do think like honestly Mm. like for all of the queens who were competing in this dungeons and drag queens task having to do drag like that in like the baking sunshine of the california midday like you know Fair play to them, you know. It, it is not going to show your aesthetic well because you could see the marks from all the prosthetics. You could see all the imperfections so clearly. So I do think as well, like just the the mode of where she had to show that look off absolutely didn't help. Hampered her, yeah, definitely. Um, Apora then was the next to go. So Apora is part of that annoying love triangle, but I actually don't think she was annoying in these two episodes i actually think it was mostly astrid and hozo who were annoying around her like in that second episode where they have the prom and no one asks abora to the prom hozo generated all that all that stress for everybody abora was just like you know doing it doing a bit yeah i know absolutely and it's also like excuse me like hozo you're the one who is doing real like mental damage onto this person by not being Mm. open to or not being willing to or able to give them whatever closure they feel they need and also you had to do like you participated in the prom bit as well you could have like offered the invitation to to i I, like honestly we were talking about this before we started started recording this whole Abhora, Astrid, Hozo, and then even like poor Hozo's off-screen boyfriend gets fucking come forward by Astrid <laughs> in one of the episodes. Like that whole narrative has just cast such a shadow over the season that it actually is impacting my enjoyment of it. And it's like, it, it, it is, it's, in, it's, I remember how excited I was during Drag Race last, or, or Dragula last, last mm-hmm. year. And it just, this is putting just such a, a cloud over the whole thing that it distracts from the drag and makes you kind of like root against people who are doing quite well in the competition. Yeah, like they give a lot of time to it. Like in an hour episode, you know, sometimes the first 15 minutes is just them arguing in the boudoir and then they get called in to get their task. Like I don't remember season three, them spending that long. No. Like they were just chit-chatting in the boudoir. And then like last year, like season four, yeah, there was there was extended bit and like that did detract from as well. And there was the bullying of Sigourney Beaver. Yeah. And, so, yeah. And this, I mean, this is something that I, like I, I do think like, you know, Dragula holds itself up as like the bastion of, of, of art and kind of a space that where everyone is allowed to present whatever their version or vision of drag is. And all will be accepted so long as they can make it applicable to the to the competition. And, you know, it does that with a little bit of nose thumbing towards drag race. And it does that with mm. a little bit of judgment of drag race. But, you know. And I don't know whether this is the spot in this episode for this conversation, but it's happening. It's happening. It's a workroom. It's a workroom. We can do whatever we want. But, like, when it comes to, like, duty of care towards the contestants, like, I cannot imagine, like, this kind of, like, 
extremely hard to 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 watch and must be incredibly hard to experience content being like dragged out of people in this way or put into being put into this situation and the the fact that they're using so much of it and then like there's a couple of other small things that i just was like kind of that, that have like irritated me so at one point during the pig brain or the pig brain eating um zombie prom challenge like apora says oh i've been vegan for the past three years but i'm gonna do this it's like well actually the show should be aware of your eating restrictions mm. or your <clears throat> diet requirements and they shouldn't be putting you in a position where you feel obligated to eat animal products if you haven't done so for three years you know like that that's on dragula who are supposed to be this lovable kind of amazing much better than drag race space and then Coco Kane that emerges after they practically fucking drowned her had had an experience of drowning as a child and like whatever she made a choice not to kind of be open about that maybe with production and production chose like didn't realize that was going on but it shows something about a person who feels like because it was also during the Eva Destruction breakdown during Dungeons and Drag Queens when they were they were like they're like they were all saying in the background you can say oh shit they're filming this oh shit they're filming this and like you know, it's kind of like there they were picking up the cameras to start filming the drama in order to create a storyline out of it. So there's an awareness that the cameras are there to turn things into drama outside of the actual race or outside of the, the actual performances. And I think it undermines the message of the show about it being about the art. That would be my thesis on the subject. Yeah, but I think we're both coming from a point where if I'm if I'm to to maybe keep, try to give the other side some voice like I don't think you and I watch it for the fright feats we don't watch it for watching people get tattooed by when you're or staple dollar bills to their body like I don't think we watch it for that we watch it for the art I think a part of the ethos of the show is that badass element of it the you know un- the indomitable in spirit of the queens and they'll do you know they're willing to put themselves through these things and I think there is an appeal to that and I get your uh, I, like I get your point about the veganism but I think I think they basically they could have said to Abora like you know you don't have to do it or you know and actually I did notice that they didn't say it was ethically sourced they have said it was ethically sourced in the past they didn't say these pig brains were ethically sourced so I don't know but yeah that's a separate thing I mean, how do you yeah. ethically source pig brains? But, you know... <laughs> well, wait <laughs> yeah, for them no, to die right. naturally, I think. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, so I think... I just think they're giving too much time to the drama. I don't really mind them filming Ava Destruction having her panic attack. Because I think it is a reality TV show, and I think... Yeah. Like, even, even when Melissa storms out of the room in the last episode, the camera follows her, she's talking to the producer. And they don't seem... Like, some shows would, like, never show you the producer ever. Like, is we very rarely see a producer in Drag Race. Yeah. They're not afraid to show you the producer, to show you the hands that, that that feeds and all that sort of stuff. So, I don't necessarily mind that, but I do agree that I think... Like, I was more concerned about the tug of gore, that I was like, we're, we're going to get a we're gonna get a Veronica Scone here, and, you know, they're going to hurt their knee. Yeah. And they're the things I'm more concerned about. And I was like, my hand was sore looking at all the, the arm wrestles. Yeah, no. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> precious. I don't know. They're I more know, the like, duty of care I care about. Yeah, well, I, and to be fair, I think it's like these small things are starting to kind of, like, clock with me the more... I'm kind of watching the show give so much time and attention to what is kind of reality TV content from like mm. the Big Brother era. Like it's, you know, it's like, and I, and I think like, you know, we might have more of a conversation uh, around kind of like the format of the show, but I think the lack of 
elements within each episode means that there's just lots of space to fill and they end up filling it with stuff that they know people will want to watch from a reality TV perspective, but they're not taking into account maybe how that will detract from what their ultimate statement, which seems to be kind of like the exploration of areas of drag that are heretofore like banished from or not seen by the more mainstream drag race show. Yeah, like I think the first, like, the first two we'll discuss today, so episode four and episode five, I felt they were reasonably well paced. Like you had your, you had your fright feet, which felt the stakes were pretty low. Then you had the the floor show, and then you had the sort of acting challenge as the characters. Yeah, and I was like, okay, there was kind of two things for us to kind of judge them on. And the second episode we'll discuss, episode five, the zombie prompt. There was two looks there that we could kind of compare, and there was the pig brains. But other than that, it was just kind of drama. But that was okay. The latter two, episode six and seven, I can't remember the last time I was so bored by a television, maybe it was Drag Race Italia, <laughs> the, during that wrestling challenge. I honestly was like, what is this? Why am I, like, I just, yeah, no, I, I totally lost interest in it. I, I mean, I think that like for both of the performances, so the Dungeons and Drag Queens and the, the wrestling challenge, both of them lacked from any sense of direction or, or sense of kind of like overarching kind of like plot it was so both of them were kind of like so particularly the dungeon and drag queens one you know it had like some sort of script but it was all very much like it would it, it felt sort of messy and confusing and i didn't really understand anything and there was no conclusion it was like every story needs a beginning a middle and an end and here we are seeing the middle we haven't seen the beginning and we're not seeing the end and so like it kind of was a bit like distracting because i was like oh is there going to be more to this are we going to like is there going to be some conclusion as to like what's following them or whatever it is but maybe not no i thought the curse script wasn't too bad because the beginning was they find this thing they open it it puts a curse on them in the middle and then uh, they turn yeah. out if they kill them it's over and yeah no okay very, that you the are the first right. one was was a bit of a but mess. i i do think that the that for the dungeon the drag queens script that the whichever team Coco Kane had been on was going to be the team that was going to win because her natural charisma and her ability to kind of, you know, just perform, like, emanated through whatever she was doing. And, you know, even in the bits where she was clearly fucking up her lines by not remembering how she had to say things out of order and kind of just being mm. like, higgity, spliggity, bliggity. Like, she was still, like, the most compelling person in the scene. But, so I think that that brought more of a sense of a full story to it than maybe the actual stuff that was there. But... It, certainly in the the wrestling one, I was like, these looks are fun, and I like the idea, but I don't know what's happening. I can't hear the queens, I can't hear the contestants. Who are these people that are doing the the voiceover announcing? Kind of, what am I supposed to be looking for, <laughs> other than sort of like a figure four, <clears throat> um, thingy majigger or whatever it is, hold apparently from the boules. Yeah, because I actually liked Ava and Hosa the most because they felt the most theatrical, but then they got marched down for that. So I was like, okay. But it was one of those things that I glazed out, like sort of glazed over and then came back and I was like, God, this is still on. (laughs) (laughs) How long has this wrestling match been happening for? Like, yeah, she really, really wasn't wasn't for me. I guess if we want to go back to Abora, I thought Abora Abora did a good job in the Dungeons and Dragons challenge and I liked their look at the big wooden shoes the zombie cheerleader i just couldn't get over how bouncy those boobs were like they like they were just flying off her body and yeah i i didn't love it but i still wouldn't have put her in the bottom two like that was the episode that victoria won the power to put two people up for elimination and she said she was choosing by technicality and i probably would have put melissa and astrid up and that's maybe because i was trying to get rid of astrid i don't know but yeah 
I would agree with Ken. Uh, I no, I I felt Abora in my for for that particular challenge. I think Abora and Eva belonged in in the bottom two because neither of them had actually met the full brief, and so I think that like like for me, and I think perhaps that's the the technicality on which Victoria was dealing with as well. Is like you were mm. asked to like the 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 challenge was to go from elegant glamour to zombie Ross, and I think that. Neither um, Eva nor Habora got that first element. Neither of them did like a glamorous look because it wasn't kind of like high school chick to zombie. It was glamour, pretty pageant to. Well, it was like, basic bitch, but it was basic bitch glamour. So like mm, you know yes. like so it was so like you know and and it was kind of you know I'm I'm not Roxying and Roxy Andering everyone. You can't like you know whatever you can have comedy in your drag, but it's like this challenge was about like basic bitch glamour this was essentially can you do can you give us glamazon like that was the, that was dragula <laughs> yeah, said can you give us glamazon <laughs> and abhora and eva destruction said no not even gonna try and so i felt like abhora definitely belonged and i think abhora had had a had had a throughout the competition had made it kind of her her thing that literally she would just do something different like take a take a right turn away from the brief to do something that was mm. related but completely off topic yeah yeah i don't know i like i liked davis because i thought it gave a character like i think there was a glut of just pink princesses there between astrid hozo coco and victoria whereas i thought ava's kind of felt a bit different but yeah i guess nerd girl is not necessarily basic bitch so that's probably fair um i was sad to see her go because it was kind of touted that Victoria had partially chosen to kind of quell the drama in the workroom or the boudoir. Yeah. And I kind of felt Abora had was the least the lowest contributor to that drama. No, so. completely. Like in that in that like <clears throat> the prom episode in the Dungeons and Dragons episode, like obviously Abora came back from being almost eliminated and said, I'm gonna try and, you know, just enjoy myself and have fun and not get involved in any more drama. And I think she had pretty successfully done that. That mm-hmm. any drama that she was involved in was drama that she got dragged into kicking and screaming by Hoso and by Astrid. And I, I found it so frustrating when Astrid kept on being like I keep getting dragged into this drama. I keep getting... It's like, no, you are putting yourself squarely in the centre of it. I don't think that I've ever found a drag queen or a contestant on Drag Race or any drag-related reality TV programme more annoying than I find Astrid. Like, they... She a good on All Stars 4? No, more so than that. Because it's not even entertaining. It's not even entertaining. (laughs) Like, it is... Like, Astrid is kind of this sort of... Like, I don't know, has, has like, read kind of, like, the little book of... um, counselling slang and is just trying to kind of I don't know like there's just I don't enjoy their persona in the in the show I don't enjoy their presentation style on the on the main stage I yeah and I find them backstage like they're trying they're meddling and mixing up the drama and they're making more of an issue out of things than they need to be and then they're sort of standing back and putting their hands up and be like this why is this happening I didn't like that just really bothers me yeah, I am finding myself turning against her as well, based on the edit. And like, even I mean, I guess we're talking about Astrid now. Um, <laughs> the that episode, as soon as Abora goes home, like 
you know, give me a call when your boyfriend dumps you because I'm cuter than him anyway. Like, what a rude and disrespectful thing to say. Completely. Like, and I, I mean, I guess we're like, whatever person has locked Hoso down, obviously, I, like they can't, they, they must have fairly thick skin. So, you know, to see all of this going on and playing out online. Like, and I, I just think that, like, this whole thing, like, has really, and I said this before, it's just really undermined my ability to enjoy the, the, the like, really amazing drag that Hoso brings. Astrid, to not get away from Astrid, I, I think that they had potential to be kind of a good filler queen, but have ended up going sort of rotten across this, this season just with the amount of this drama. Because, like, their looks are, are good, but there's just, you're just, I'm just watching them now with such a frustration of, like, oh, get away from me. Because even that whole bit of, you know, oh, I want to, I want to wrestle Melissa because I think it's going to bring us closer together. And I, I can take you. Don't be so confident you can take me. I just, just oh, that would wear me up the it, wrong way. It had a kind of an idea of someone trying to self-produce a, sto- a narrative or a storyline for themselves. Like it was just, mm. you know, and I mean, you could probably like, I mean, that's probably contributing to like Melissa being totally, completely wound up with the with the shenanigans and the shit going on in in that workroom so which which would then come into her explosion yeah. two episodes later <laughs> like let's get into melissa who's the next person to go she leaves in episode 8 overall uh, before we go before we go from astrid oh, yeah? can i just say that the one thing that i did I, astrid's like creepy octopus man in the in the um the sea, sea monsters challenge, challenge was hands down the best look that, that she has done. The Boulets were right to give, I don't know if they actually gave the note to her, but certainly said it in the critiques about the fact that like she has this kind of chaotic kind of freestyle dance that she does for all of them. And like, it, it would be great for her to maybe start learning how to bring other characters into the... Other movements, yeah, yeah other the characters. Yeah, exactly. And start like thinking about, well, what would this character, how would this character act rather than just saying like, I'm going to go out there and do split kicks and jumps and cartwheels mm. and all the rest of it um yeah one one of the guest judges said maybe it was poppy you know it was giving me more alien for one of her looks than it was whatever no maybe it was i think the, that was the zombie one for zombie yeah. yeah yeah it was more giving me more alien than it was um a zombie and actually i was like yeah that's very true a lot of her looks just end up being alien yeah no <laughs> completely oh it was the default yeah the wrestling one with the tail i did think that her getting absolutely red to filth by katia for the horrible shoes was hilarious like that it was, was the hilarious. that was the highlights of astrid's time on on, on this series of dragula <laughs> and i'm calling it now before she's even been booted off <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so let's get to melissa uh yeah, we. I texted you pretty much right after watching this episode. I found, I just found the bit post critiques so annoying. Like, I know that they're like, I just, I couldn't relate to Melissa at all. Like, I knew they were in, like, those people are annoying. But, like, we've seen it so many times with Big Brother, like, oh, you're all fake, you're all fake, no one in here is real, no one here is genuine, you're all fake and you're all two-faced. Like, that to me just feels insincere like how can everyone be fake or it's like what is your standard of realness what standard of fakeness yeah. is that people don't go around all the time saying horrible things to people therefore they're fake uh, yeah it, like it, it annoyed me as well because like 
yeah, it, it seems to be like this this reality TV notion that like you have to be 100% consistent in absolutely everything that you ever say and there can never be any nuance or grey areas. It needs to be 100% this all the time and forever. And it annoyed me that the show kind of backed her up a bit that particularly by showing that interaction that happened between, I think was it Eva, description, Eva and Abhora, like where I just think like Eva was being, Eva said, Yavska's look was better, but I'd prefer you to stay. And then the producers are now trying to show this in this kind of way as if kind of like Eva was like going behind your back and like, oh, Yovska, your look was really good. And then also kind of behind. But it's like, no. And like trying to create a narrative that there's like that is the opposite of backstabbing. That is upfronting. That is saying, this is exactly what I think about this situation. I like what you did, but I prefer you to stay. So it just it just annoyed me that they're, they're trying to give some waste to this meltdown that Melissa had. And... and because yeah, like reality TV contestants, you're competing against each other for te- for a hundred thousand for hundred thousand dollars. At the end of the day, everyone's out for themselves. Everyone's out to try and do their best. I get the idea, like this frustration of like, oh, we have to pretend to be this sisterhood because that's required now as part of being on a drag race kind of or a, on a drag based reality show. There has to be like this sisterhood element of it, and it can be annoying if you clearly dislike some people in the way that Melissa seemed to dislike Astrid or be frustrated by Apora or Hoso, but like. You just you can't you can't let that get into your head in that way. You you just mm. well anyway. But I don't know. She also was From my recollection. Her. It was Coco Kane who was calling Ava fake. This is I guess outside the scope of these four episodes. But I think that was brought back up because Coco was like, "You're being, you know, you're being two faced." You said you you told him you wanted them both to stay, and she and Ava was like, "Well, no, I just said I preferred her look, and that's the truth." Like, just by not being like, "I want you to go home, bitch." Like, therefore, you're fake. It's just such a high standard and I really think I know we see Melissa being a bit snappy in the boudoir but it really makes me think like Melissa's look in that sea monster was the worst like notably the worst and she knew it and I think she got incredibly insecure and panicky and blamed on everybody else rather than just saying look I've been outplayed I did a good job I hope I stay yeah that's what it read like to me I don't think it's any coincidence that this breakdown happened on episode yeah seven when they were the most annoying in episodes two three four five maybe six yeah no i completely and it, the like at the very beginning of this episode in the like little reminder piece they kind of they brought went they brought it back to the fact that melissa's relationship had broken down they had mm. eva say and maybe one of the other contestants say something about like oh uh you know melissa's relationship status it's weighing on her mind they had e- melissa a couple of times trying to be like oh there's just so much on my mind so like the producers were obviously trying to lead you to believe that actually despite what was being said in the boudoir about kind of like every i can't trust a bitch in here you're all skanks and hoes and i hate you actually underneath that it was about her relationship breakdown which yeah. i think was like you know very nice of them to have done that but clearly not well maybe what was going on but certainly didn't feel like what was going on what felt like was going on is exactly what you said is that someone was angry that they had been sort of having had like a really strong run over the course of the 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 competition up to that point found themselves in a place where they were absolutely in the bottom and quite like I'm probably go going home. home. Yeah. Yeah. And if they didn't go home, then the person that they were closest to in the competition in Coco Kane was going to go home. So it was kind of a case of like, okay, it, 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 it's, it's kind of like a, a lose-lose situation. And if it is to do with their, like, if it is to, to have done with the breakdown of their relationship just before they came to the show, absolutely understandable. But like, I'd like to see like think- a, an apology tweet 
to be like, look, look, girls, I, I didn't mean that oh, it was about this. I woke up this morning, I was straight in the socials and see a thing. <laughs> uh, because I think, I do, like, although I said I think that the blah, blah, blah was a catalyst, I don't think it could be simply just that she was annoyed. Like, think about when she leaves the room and she bursts into uncontrollable sobs. Like, that's not just annoyance. That's not like a frustrated cry. That was... That, that was something that was cutting deep and she yeah. either in that moment was unable to access the cause or was unwilling to access what it was and tell us about it she seemed resolute maybe you know this was her first or this rejection you know opened up a whole wound for her, something like that you know it felt like it was going deeper and I, I was kind of disappointed that we weren't getting the real truth of it I was just masked in this. I can't put up with this bullshit behavior. You're all fake. Yeah. And it just, yeah. I mean, why am I annoyed? Like, this is somebody who's obviously going through shit and she backed out of her own competition and it's her own life. But I guess, I guess I'm more, I guess it just felt like an unjust conclusion. And that's what it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And, and Melissa as well, up until that point, had actually probably been one of my two or three favorites in the competition. Mm. Like, I, I, their their kind of barbarian character in the in the Dungeon of Drag Queen thing was really cool and really like sexy and fun. I absolutely loved their glamour look in the Me in too. the prom. I thought that that was like they were the only one who served glamour on that stage, and their wrestling <laughs> look like like that China kind of it mm. was like perfect. And for what it was worked in that like crazy challenge, we didn't really know what was going on they felt like as if they were doing the best. So it was a very deserved win. And then in this in this week, like it really did feel like they had a misstep in their look and fell at like a kind of a, a simple hurdle and just had a breakdown because of that. Yeah, yeah. Like she was ascending in the competition. Unfortunately, she was beside somebody who was ascending more so than her. And it's the only reason she went down because if she'd been there with maybe anyone other than Coco and Victoria I think she would have stayed I would agree with you on that like I think that she was like she she would have beaten off competition from any of those people and you don't know perhaps like even you know if if she hadn't have had that meltdown backstage they may have made a decision to keep her over Coco but I, I don't know that that's the I don't oh think I think she knew she was in the bottom two. Oh, sorry oh keep her over Coco yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Coco because I can't remember in Drag Race or Dragula, maybe someone like um, Crystal Method. Sorry, I couldn't remember the name there. I was like, what am I saying? I can't remember anybody who's like crystallized into perfection kind of from the middle of the season and just kind of got better and better. Because I remember when we did our recap for the first three being like, yeah, I like her. I liked her in season four. I think, you know, but I'm not sure if she's got the chops to win yeah. it. I think she's got the chops now. Like, I think she's doing really well. And it's just got better and better, I think, as the episode's gone on by that last one. I, yeah, I completely agree. I think that, like, in the in the, the canon of a reality TV show, they always love to have, like, kind of the really kind of, like... The journey. The journey. And they like to have, the like, the perfect princess. The Victoria character and the, the Coco character are them classic top two. The sort of, like, mm. underdog come from behind and the person who walked in completely perfect. And I think that... Like what Coco is showing, like I do think that the 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 Boulets are kind of being a bit more critical now of her and and her need to to kind of you know bring looks that are more polished and more together. And even if she is being, I don't know, 
even if a ghost is going into her wardrobe and cutting things up, like she needs to start bringing that more polish if she wants to, to maybe make it all the way. But like she's bringing every bit of the sass drama, creativity, excitement that I was expecting when she arrived into to season four. And I'm like, I'm loving to see it. And the gender play in that, like I love the gender play in that. Like it was from the waist up that sea monster look was so sexy. Yeah, I actually loved that. I know I said it would, you know, by the last one. I loved that final look and it was my favourite. And then I was like, okay, I guess it isn't that seaworthy. But like, I don't really care. <laughs> it just looks like Poseidon yeah. out of the river yeah. here to, you know, do me with his, with his trident. <laughs> I think they did say that she was missing a trident. Had she had a trident, she probably would have been safe. Like, that's probably all she needed. No, completely. Or like, yeah, some kind of like a net or a trident would have been perfect. Or like, I, I do feel like as if... The, the 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 choice to have the hooved feet was probably not the best kind of you know because mm. like the the my little pony bronies whatever like that's not kind of really seaworthy you know i get i mm. get the kind of like seahorse my little pony ponies i get the link but it just i think that like more zoosy or more like neptune trousers yeah. or something would have been would have been better uh, than that Nep- <laughs> Neptune trousers type that into ASOS see what you get Pharrell Williams there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh, Victoria how uh, actually, before we it? move on from Coco we oh, yeah. should oh, yes. talk about need to the, 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 the conflaba and conflama that's taking over the internet around chest plate queens oh okay I thought we were going to talk about something else, but go on. Have you not seen this? Like, okay, so discourse started, as it is like to do on Twitter, around the use of, like, over-exaggerated kind of breastplates. And this started earlier in the year around Jimbo being on on the, the Versus World series as well, because... Jimbo does a kind of like extremely over-exaggerated, big-boobed, kind of dumb blonde, kind of ditzy character. And people said that that's actually quite misogynistic because it's a very misogynistic view of of women. And that like there's a conversation to be had about, you know, when drag queens are in drag and they're 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 giving female illusion of any any kind do they have a responsibility or what to what degree can like misogyny be read into what they're doing. I don't know where I stand on the Jimbo thing because I do think it's complicated by the character that he does because it is sort of very like it almost feels like it's kind of a personification of like the male gaze's version of a of of a woman and therefore it's actually tackling more about that but it's also kind of buying into the stereotypes of the ditzy blonde whatever Jimbo over there Coco Kane came in for the same criticism after her um wrestler look wrestler yeah so the conversation started i think that people were coming out and saying like oh my god this is instantly iconic this is amazing this is the best thing we've ever seen but people slowly started saying well why are you saying that about this when earlier in the year you said this about that and i mean she addressed it and said you know if people with tits are offended by what i do please message me or you know tag me on here and we'll have a conversation about it but if you aren't that person and you're just trying to start drama for no reason, I don't care about it. My view, like if I was challenged to put one out there would be that I do have a slight discomfort with the character that Jimbo portrays sometimes and that I feel like it does read a little bit disrespectful, but I think that kind of like 
insult disrespect is built into Jimbo's character as a queen and it's always left me feeling a bit cold in some ways whereas when it comes to Coco I feel like the character is always built from like a point of power within like it's not something you're laughing at or someone you're laughing at it's a powerful person who is in control of themselves and their environment around them so I would kind of see that that's the nuanced difference but having just learned this for the very first time what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I I think it, uh, Jimbo comes off as disrespectful because he I, like I find them a bit of an arsehole. Yeah, I would like, agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, although I enjoy their drag, and maybe they're just, it's just the character on TV that's a bit of an arsehole. Maybe they're lovely, you know, outside of drag or when in spaces or whatever with fans, blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, and yeah, it, it's interesting to hear, and I, I guess it kind of comes back to it as well. Um. Victoria's gone and her conversation about the word fish in um, Canada versus the world. And, you know, she said something like, I'm so sick of hearing misogyny in um, in the gay community. Yeah. And I, for some reason, ended up uh, looking through different people who review Drag Race on YouTube. And I found this, like, duo of gay men. I'm not sure if they were a couple of friends or whatever. And they seem to open their videos with, hey, bitches, slags, and whores. And I was like, okay, all right. I can see I can see how this has probably been in the room the whole time. And we probably needed someone to, to point it out. And then I ended up, ended up focusing in on when the boulets were discussing, oh, we need you to be a basic bitch. We need the character to be a basic bitch. And I was like, well, is that misogynistic? Like, I would assume so. Like, this is a group of men all playing up as being mm. misogynistic men and non-binary people um playing up as the basic bitch i know it's a trope blah 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 so yeah that's not really an answer to your question but i guess it's to say i am definitely re re i'm sensitive to misogyny in the drag world at the moment i think that's yeah another and, I, to its bow. and actually i mean i do i do think the victoria like i think this conversation starting in and around the same same time as victoria's gone being on the Canada versus the world and in particularly with her drag king kind of look <laughs> that she served last like it does kind of when you look at the comments on social media and you are kind of like aware of the way people are talking about things you do see that misogyny built in like the kind of default feeling that you know the look served there is of less value because it you know it 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 is, it is an interesting conversation because I do think that we, uh, in the gay community, we get to choose our family. We get to choose what problems we have. And I feel like we've chosen for a long time to believe that, oh, we couldn't be misogynistic because sure, all, we've got all our fag hags and we love them. You know, where in fact, actually, there's plenty of misogyny there that, that sort of doesn't probably manifest to the same sort of, I suppose, it doesn't have as troubling an impact in the world in that in the way mm-hmm. that, that women find themselves treated but certainly has an othering effect and an othering effect on women within the queer community that we need to address and and um and think about um but from my view i'd lo- yeah i'd love to hear from especially uh afab queens yeah. to hear like them weigh in on the coco situation because i have found that I, I was really glad that we got this more so drag king character from them this week because I was like, I'd love to see a look, you know, just give me Glamazon, just give me one look without the big boobs. I know that's your character yeah. and I, I'd be interested. And now I feel I got it. And I think, I don't know, like I know 
there is still such a stigma around having big breasts and how they're only ever really seen as sexual objects and you know they end up being fetishized and I know Coco plays quite a sexual character but I don't think we should be demonizing big boobs just no generically and, and, you know I think what how she does it is is because she's developing a character no complete so completely I, I and, okay. and this is like I think that like you I mean this is also completely layered because obviously like misogyny has turned large breasts into kind of a sexual object and they are now seen mm. as kind of like they then that that infects the the perception that people have of say women who are bigger chests and it makes kind of like oh you're they're easy or they're slutty or they're more whatever like that kind of becomes yeah. like the the assumptions that get made and people have to live with those assumptions and you know like like unconscious um biases that develop all over the world and it's like we do need to to challenge that but probably not in a way where we kind of say you know let's get rid of all the big boobs it's more about let's not think about big boobs in this way let's look at what's going on because like i i have to say through all of coco's characters like i think that the defining quality of like like do you know like this is when it comes to any queen there's always like what's the defining quality that makes that queen that queen and some queens Mm -hmm. have it and some don't coco i think it is a powerful sense of who they are themselves and a sense of kind of like like I think that it's it's a powerfulness that is Coco's sort of trademark and I think that that like she exhibits that as like I'm going to take these elements that traditionally would be seen as a weakness or traditionally would have been seen as coming from a a, a, a sort of a impoverished background or a sort of you know a background like without without privilege and I'm going to turn them into like my power it, it, it sort of comes yeah. comes alive through her. I definitely, if you'd asked me before giving your answer, I don't know if I would have said that, I probably would have said her style is kind of over-exaggerated femininity. Um, like, I always feel she looks like a, a video game character. Yes. But I feel like as if she, like, she it's owns... not a bad thing. But I think but like, it's like she owns that. In like There's a sort of a sense of, yeah. like, assertiveness with about it that you don't maybe get from other queens who would have a similar aesthetic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, def- like she's definitely she's a power top, big boobed gal. Yes, absolutely, and we love to see Get that it. in her bio. <laughs> I thought when you were saying before we move on, I thought you were going to talk about the the conflama around the person who's allegedly sabotaging her. I mean, that is you know <laughs> a that is another another big uh, talking point in this competition. Like, I think like she is. I'm going to say, I feel like that there is, she is sipping on a cup of delusion in that moment. There is no way anyone is going in and like snipping up what seems to be her fairly, you know, raggedy drag. <laughs> it's like, like, I mean, it, it's amazing. It's stunning. It's beautiful. But it's yeah. like, if you're going to go into anyone's suitcase and start cutting shit up, it's going to be victorious. <laughs> like if you're take, if you're taking that risk. Like when she was like, "You all know I've got blisters on my left foot, and that's the only shoe that was de- whatever, whatever that theory was." I was like, "Girl, the the call is coming from inside the house." There, I think you absolutely <laughs> connecting one on one and getting sixty nine. I don't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I I but I really want to see them resolve it. I really want to hear the Boulets go. We've done. We you know PWC are here. They've done yeah. an audit. <laughs> And we have we haven't found any evidence, I'm afraid. But uh, you know, look, you're doing great. 
you go girl yeah no I agree with that <laughs> I would also like that a full on audit what's your man for yeah. get your man in who does the Eurovision results to, to come in and oh have yeah a look. No, it's not John Alassane <laughs> but yeah whoever the new version of him is <laughs> uh, let's discuss Victoria then um, like some of her looks have been great but I actually am beginning to think like when she doesn't when she's not relying on her prosthetics I think sometimes it can be a bit weak like I think her glamour look was nice. It gave me very Scarlet Envy. But it didn't wow me. Yeah. Um, I would agree that her looks are kind of in two camps. They're either like completely unbelievably amazing or they're just kind of fine. Like that High Priestess look was very mm. just middle oh. of the pack it was no i liked that one but yeah okay I, but i mean i don't know with that one as well like i i with all of there's a massive asterisk beside my opinions of all of the dungeons and drag queens thing that i had to see them in this like baking daylight that i'm like i mm. feel like any of the mystery or any of the excitement of this just was like dragged out of it i loved her i did like her her her, her zombie prom one but it wasn't kind of um it, like the zombified version was the best version of it but like without a shadow yeah. of a day like and that was like amazing like the sort of intestine hair was was a really cool thing her yeah, that was very her sea monsters sort of like 1950s kind of like monster from the deep thing i found kind of like it was great but it wasn't i don't know like it was sort of like it, it felt like it could have been elevated more for her or something and then the dodgeball yeah, it felt like it was kind of droopy or something like it was kind yeah. of sagging on her or something like that yeah, and like yeah. that, you could definitely see the lines between where the bodysuit came on and where her arms came out and stuff. So yeah, she's she's definitely like the front runner. There's no doubt about that. But like she, she's not uncatchable by any by any stretch. And I don't think she's kind of like as dominant as say like a Danny Beard or a or Cheddar Gorgeous kind of was in that mm. sense of like here's a person who, you know, belongs in the final four without even having to prove it. Like so, yeah, I don't know. She she I I would I I don't think I would. I think I would prefer Coco to win. That would be my feeling. Yeah, but I feel it's kind of inevitable Victoria's going to win. But I think I think you're probably right. So I'm yeah. my chair. Um, Hozo. I kind of feel bad that I'm not loving Hozo. I think there's a combination of you're getting messed up in the messy drama. Not great. Obviously her drag or their drag. I'm not sure they pronounce anymore. Their drag is amazing. But... It's I literally just saw it and it hasn't had a chance to become Hozo plus you know 2.0 yeah. yet. It's kind of still Hozo 1.0, maybe 1.5. I feel that is to her detriment. Yeah, and I, I, I like the the Boulets have said this now. It's like we kind of want to see you flex in different directions. Like we get that you mm. have a very distinct kind of point of view and, and you're so amazing at it and she does like have like because actually that's one of the things within the Drag Race format that I absolutely love is when you get those moments within the boudoir or the, the, the workroom whatever it's called where the camera goes to a person and they explain a bit about how they're making the things or their craft that they're using or kind of like their their kind of purpose behind it and like you know you get these amazing things from Hozo like when she's talking about the hagfish and kind of like how she developed this concept mm. or how she was talking about how she builds the like the 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 silicon like teeth and stuff it's like this is someone who you know i love that because it's like a it's like a a window into the mind of this art re- attack yeah very much art attack uh but with hozo even though all of the looks I, I think that none of the looks have been bad they've all been amazing but they just are all the only one that the one that really stands out for me 
was the glamour look where she just came out looking like Trixie Mattel with the big blonde hair. Like I was like, I was like, this yeah, is so exciting. Yeah, but I exciting. wanted it to be less hozo. I wanted like, I was like, I kind of wish she came out there like Kamora Hall kind of a thing. Yeah, you didn't do the hozo eyes. Like I kind of wish because they specifically said the more conventionally beautiful you are, the better. Yeah. And not to say she wasn't conventionally beautiful, but like she did an alternative makeup. Like you wouldn't go to prom dressed like that really or, you know, in high school. Yeah. So I kind of was like, this is your opportunity to give us high, high, high femme because they're kind of serving high femme out of drag, you know, with the fringe. And even when they were walking around outside, I remember was like, had, was, is Hozo trans? I was trying to remember because the nipples are on show and I was like, if she, if they're a trans woman, I'm not I'm not sure about the broadcasting. Blah 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 blah. You know, nerdy little bits. Uh, but I was just mesmerized by the nipples yeah. and like whether they were. It was it was a illegal. I guess the gender sorry is non-binary. Their pronouns are she, her, and they them in an and out of drag. So I don't know about the arcane nipple laws and whether you can do it if they're non-binary or not. But the most femme they've ever been I feel is out of drag and I kind of wish they just amped that yeah no I I do like I would have loved to like I I think that they would have scored more points in that challenge by just really going like basically completely basic you know and like they they could have like with with their their bone structure and the way that their their body is they could have just worn very very little makeup and that kind of thing and just looked like a basic bitch going to drag, going to going to prom, and I do think it, there was a you know there was a missed opportunity as much as I think that that look actually stood out the most for me because I think it was the least hozo of all the looks we've seen. There mm. was room there for her to do something completely different, and yeah. I think by not taking that risk, we kind of saw that. Like I, I do think her standing in the competition. If you think back to season four, like there was never really any kind of expectation that she would do anything other than end up at the very end of the competition. Whereas she feels like as if she could be on the chopping block next. In, in yeah, some and ways. it's so strange to see Coco and maybe, God forbid, Astrid overtake her. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. I hope Astrid is the next to go. But I, I do I do genuinely think that Astrid and Hoza were the, the next to, to go and we're going to get an Eva, Coco, Victoria top three. That does feel, that feel right. And let's get into Eva now. Uh yeah, I constantly find myself reading for her, even though I do find her annoying sometimes. Um, she needs to stop calling a, herself a thespian. Because she, she is not a thespian. I found their crop top mesmerizing. I just wasn't expecting them to be that skinny. But anyway, there, that's me and my own body <laughs> issues that I'm dealing with, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I've, I always feel that they've got a really left turn, but like fun left her in when it comes to the character like I kind of enjoyed that their basic bitch had an inhaler I loved the sea monster look I thought that was absolutely brilliant um I yeah I think the wrestler has been their weakest look so far but overall I really yeah liked no I mean I I loved their their night of the realm style dungeons and dragons thing I thought it was really fun it was kind of like you know genderless mm, yeah, in, in the way in the way it sort of existed in that world um, yeah, but Brienne of Tarth, really. Yeah, wasn't very, it? very Brienne of Tarth, and it was like I, I loved that look. I mean, it's a pity, like they obviously in that they ended up kind of like doing themselves a little bit because they got so anxious about um, the 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 overheating and all the rest of it. But 
I like that look. I do think their sea monster look and the performance actually of the the sea monster look with the kind of hand coming out and the inviting in and then that like that was just like that was really spectacular and the makeup was so cool like it just looked it it looked really good. The wrestling look was sort of like I, when they were talking about it, I loved the concept. Like I I like because they they kind of were talking about it and they were showing kind of like building like the veined leg kind of things and it's like mm. it's like that was such a showpiece and then I felt like it kind of. I suppose it didn't translate into kind of like you know like it was like Frostula the snow hoe like you know if you're going to have a prop that big you really got to make it work and I don't feel yeah. that she made that work and the whole rest of the look suffered because it was so simple the only thing that was going on was these like enormous legs yeah I, I also think that leg thing is a good example of, of maybe why I know because I find she has a propensity for dropping in the humble brag like you know I just wanted some really big legs so like I stood there and I tensed my leg for ages and they cast around it and I was like oh, okay yeah. like, but but then I'm like that's just Americans you know that's just a hot American guy or person you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and how they've been raised you know you don't have the the constant uh, chorus of bitch be humble in Ireland no. because you've got notions <laughs> <laughs> And even like, let's make this about me. This is the episode I went home on when I was in my season. If I've, you know, like, yeah, knows how to make it about them. But that all aside, I do really like them. And I really like their perspective, and I really hope they get to the final. So, yeah, no, I, I would, I would like to see them get to the final. I, I think that they are. You, you are right. They have a kind of a, a like a, a I don't want to say petulance isn't the right word, but sort of a, a childishness about them that that I think that mm. Coco and, and Victoria don't really have, but. You know, they, they have shown that they can do some really good looks and they don't get themselves tied up in all of the ridiculous drama that's going on, which, you know, is always a yeah. bonus. Always a bonus. Let's go through the different uh, floor shows and sort of adjacent challenges and just kind of talk about our highs and lows from what we haven't already said, I suppose. Dungeons and Drag Queens, uh, who, who would have been your winner for this? Oh, Coco was definitely the, the yeah, was, was definitely the, the winner for me in, in that one and rightfully so. I, I do think though that like, if if Dragula is going to get into doing acting challenges, I think they, they need to like, I, I don't know, they need to like get some of those rusical writers in so that they can, um, so they can maybe put them together a bit more so it makes sense. Like, it was a fun idea. I remembered when they did this challenge, this Dungeons and Drag Queens challenge on the other one, and I did enjoy that there as well. But it just, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I feel like they can't, like, just the, the daytime, the daytime of it all. Just the daytime of it. <laughs> you can't get past, you can't get past that I, I just think that, like, it, it just, it, it completely takes you out of the fantasy because it is just like, you are watching a, you know, for all intents and purposes, a, a grown-up adult wearing a silly costume out in a playground. They might as well be in fucking Art Gillen Park down in... Uh, but they were in... Okay, well, like, when they were inside when they are being filmed. I know it was bright, but they were inside. Okay, you are right. Okay, so for the actual floor show element of it that was all done on the outside, I was like, this oh, is right, taking okay. me out Fair, of the fantasy. Right. And yeah. then, like, I suppose in watching in the outdoor... Like, then with the actual the the acting piece it was just like what are what are what is this story giving us you know like you know i was kind of expecting both group like there to be like a third act where both sort of groups came together and there was some kind of like an interaction yeah i was i thought so too yeah. but like no instead it was just like we're in this room let's leave this room 
you're dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that stood out to me, especially from the first group, is wow, there is some shit acting. Because I actually thought Victoria was the best actor there, and it was because she chose a character. She delivered all her lines, and I, oh yes, what a good idea. And at least that was like a different character. I thought Erica was desperate. Oh, completely. No, don't do that. It was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was just, there was too much cringe. There was too much cringe going on in the world this week. Uh, yeah, no, like completely. And, and, I, and I think kind of, yeah, like Erica was, was really, really, really terrible. And poor our, Astrid obviously thought that they were like, they felt like they were going to be this God's gift to the acting world as well. Like there was too many people that had so much kind of too many that had so much, um, I don't know, belief in their abilities that then never came to pass. Because Astrid had that long, you know, bit about, you know, talk about Dungeons and Dragons, how much you love about Dungeons and Dragons. Here's my character, blah, 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 blah. You know, several times she got that edit of, you know, talk shiting on about it. And then her look, which was that pirate look, I didn't even like that much. Pirates aren't often in Dungeons and Dragons, from my understanding. No, and it was like kind of like, then like for her to be like, oh yeah, no, I wanted to make this because like I got this like working loot and I made this. And it's just like, oh, stop. And there's like, there's, there's an element of like, and this is, there's, nerds nerding out can be fun and interesting to to watch mm. when it is like actually kind of like you're watching the creative process at work it's not fun when you're being yes. mansplained to for want of a better way of putting it and i felt like both with the like the bard bit and the i do dungeons and dragons bit and then eva destruction so like oh i'm a thespian so let's all like get into a, a sharing circle and start throwing balls to each other it was all just a bit like stop showing off and also producers why am i seeing this yeah, I was more for the second. I was like, guys, is that like, are you desperate to fill time? You're like, Ava, do a bit of like one of those like improv games that they do to warm people up. A cup of proper coffee and a proper coffee cup. Like <laughs> stupid enunciation. I was like, really, really? That's what you have to give us? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't love it. Um, but yeah, I, like I do normally like the chance. I think I did enjoy the episode overall. Because I thought there were some fun looks. Like, I did like Victoria's priestess look. I liked Apora's sort of druid look. Didn't love Erica. Didn't love Astrid. And yeah, the one you said about Eva as the knight was brilliant. And actually, Hozo had a really nice top-notch oh, yeah, pony the, thing there. The, which the was dark really, elf thing was really cool. Yeah, the, those elements of femininity, I think, really work really well for her. Or certainly what I like yeah, in her yeah, drag yeah. anyway. So yeah, I'd like to see more of that. Uh, the second episode then was the zombie prom the basic bitch into the zombie what were your highs and lows of this one Um, I feel like I, I loved Coco's um, like I love Coco's pretty and pink look I thought she looked quite beautiful I really am enjoying the kind of like the, the way she does her makeup the kind of like with the white lines defining some of that mm. I think that's like a really kind of unique thing for it to almost like sketch lines or yeah, something yeah like. exactly it's like it's like it's a drawing rather than rather than else. but yeah I, I think for me Melissa's glamour look was probably the best thing on the stage and then Victoria's zombie look like the two of those were just spectacular there wasn't much really else in this I started like the pig brains and then the whole zombie the whole like zombie prom no one asked Abora because I actually thought it was quite a cute bit like when Abora did that like I was like this is the first cute fun moment Abora is getting in the entire competition this sort of like asking the mannequin to the dance and then the mannequin turning them down and then 
Hoso had to go and like run in on top of it and be like, "You shame on you all! Shame on you all!" Yeah, funny. Like when she was getting nervous and everything, like talking yeah. to the panic, and it was funny. <laughs> and then there was just like these deluded shots of like Hozo and Astrid fighting and like I, no she's fine she's fine and then it's over to her and she's like dancing around the place with this headless I know I mean also like I mean on the subject of, of like delusional I mean Hozo like Hozo and, and Astrid kind of like paired themselves up and then like the other people paired themselves up and then Hozo decided to get angry at the other four people for not having selected um, for not having selected Astrid and it's like well actually like you're the person with the pre-existing relationship with this person so yeah. like leave those people alone but anyway I, I enjoyed I actually really enjoyed this concept to, to get a, get back to the actual episode I thought it was a really fun idea to have like yeah, me give me one look and then transform that look into something else so that was really really fun and really clever and I think it I, I liked the people who took the brief most to heart because I, I did find like for me Eva's or even Destruction's like nerdy girl look I don't feel like it wasn't like show us a super pretty basic bitch it was kind of like I'm gonna yeah. give you Andrea Zuckerman from Beverly Hills 90210 in the 90s and I'm gonna give that classic kind of like and it's like ha- having that character to hide behind meant that like you know you don't have to get judged for just doing pretty girl makeup and I would have preferred to have you know I, I for me I would have preferred her to have I would have preferred them to have read her for that, even though she was safe because she won the Big Brains Challenge. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, episode six then was wrestling. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, there was a flow, floor show to this, but I guess it was all like you were pretty hamstrung by the fact you had to be a wrestler. Like there's very few ways you can go and like with witch and zombie and stuff like that. Um, again, my favorite was Melissa. Um, I think we already said like that, that China look. I really didn't like Astrid on her tail. Like it just, like no. I know she was kind of going for that like Mexican Nacho Libre, yeah. you know, Mexican wrestler thing, but the tail really it was completely unnecessary, and it did just sort of like it. It took I suppose like it, it took us out of what this was supposed to be, which was like it was because it was like specifically sort of like. Girls of the World Wrestling Federation, nineteen eighty. Yeah, glamorous ladies of wrestling, wherever that Netflix show. Yeah, was. exactly. Like so, that that was like that was the timestamp. That was it, and I felt like Astrid kind of like, you know, having the tail. I you know like the fact that they seem to because actually Poppy I think was on the judging panel and she talked about kind of there was some wrestler from the the, the past who had like a really really long ponytail that mm. they would use and it's like I would have bought that because this wasn't like I yeah. want to see what you would look like as a, a you know as a I don't know a, a sun dragon wrestler it's like I want to see what you would look like as a glamorous lady wrestler and like so like mm. bringing that prop in in a different way would have worked but yeah. in in this it just yeah I didn't I didn't enjoy, I also didn't enjoy the colors the kind of like minty green pink color of it yeah, yeah it wasn't my fave not for me not for me um I think and also then sorry, the final floor show then was Sea Monster and at this stage of the competition especially when there's only six people left I thought the fact that it was just literally just one floor show and nothing else I was like wait that was you know uh, you know this is this is an all stars season challenge them more than that I like yeah. you know I kind of felt yeah no I, I do like kind of it was a very easy challenge relative to the rest of them I yeah no you're right and it, it's like it, it, you know had there been like a performance element to it or a lip sync element to it or something like that like it would have been now I do I do think that like the 
the people who are getting the rights for the songs on Dragula need to like uh, they had the iconic shoes song I, you know I'm going to give them props for that like that is one of those queer legendary moments that like will live forever but when they in the past when they've done the sort of like Boulet brother sort of style of I don't know like quartet band or like you know barbershop quartet mm. it hasn't been very successful but in this thing it would have been fun to have seen like a lipstick perform a lip sync performance of something to kind of like bring you a bit more of like an actual performance element to it because at that other than that you're all right yeah. it's just like here's a look a look served with a load of melissa b fierce breaking down backstage yeah yeah that was mostly it like maybe i'm inspired now by victoria and her look and how it was very shape of water but like if they had like recorded some sort of split screen thing with themselves of like going on a date like one them as a human them as a sea monster yeah. or something like that could have been something fun like you know, to challenge them again or to reinterpret their characters or something like that but yeah i thought it was very very basic and for me ava was the best i you know i really like coco like i said but it wasn't very sea witchy and then melissa yeah it was bad i do i do think that there was a lot of potential for you know for melissa to have done like a really excellent i don't know if you remember captain planet at all no well sort of melissa b fierce gave me sort of gaia from captain planet vibes which means that like had they done something different like i think if they had done like a if they had done like like a grecian gown kind of underneath all of those sort of fins and things it could have it could have looked quite cool like kind of like lost city of atlantis you know gone that direction but i think it was just the the that cheap scaly material was so overwhelming that it just mm-hmm. kind of like cheapens the entire look which is a pity because i do think the fins and that headpiece were pretty cool yeah yeah definitely saint and dali were the guest judges of that episode and it was kind of strange because there were so many season four girls in there to like hear them critique them and even like was it coco was like saint was criticizing me for my you know my yeah. performance being too small uh and i guess that can tie us back to some some further Twitter drama around Saints. Did you see the, the drama around no. Saints that was on Twitter? Yeah, so Saints was being accused. Yovska basically revealed that Saint had been feeding private conversations between her and the other contestants back to the Boulet brothers. Mm. So apparently, it. <laughs> Apparently, I'm glad we both brought some some Twitter beef with us this week to, <laughs> to, get to share into. at the table. <laughs> so um, I can't I can't remember the original fight between Yovska and and Saint. But anyway, Yovska revealed this. Loads of people confirmed it. Saint did an apology online, basically saying around the time of the of the murder of George Floyd, there was a, a WhatsApp group formed by black contestants on the show talking about the show, how they felt they were represented and looked after in the show. And it was just a general conversation about their experiences, I'm going to guess positive and negatively, um, if not just negatively. And I guess Saint was, you know, working with the Boulets at the time, doing that resurrection thing for, okay. for Saint, and screenshotted the conversations and sent them to the Boulets so that the Boulets could have a conversation about how they run the show to make sure that their black contestants are are you know being looked after she says that was her motivation and um that and that's why she she did that and she was apologizing and then kendra onyx jumped in and said well that's all well and good thanks for apologizing but can you apologize for blaming for blaming it on me so apparently kendra is alleging that saint before owning up to it was going around telling people that it was actually kendra who leads the conversations to the boulet brothers and not saint okay well 
I so the messiness spills the messiness, out online, well, yeah, and there's actually a third piece of messy Twitter drama that I remembered that we can get to in a moment. But I would, I think that like Saints' intentions sound pure and 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 it's good but i do think that you shouldn't be doing that without the consent of the other people because it's like mm-hmm. what if i don't want the boules or other people to see these or what if i've said things or phrased things in a way that i don't feel comfortable other people outside of this context so i do think that is like you know absolutely that's that's quite an unacceptable thing to to do and here in the uk or in, the, in ireland oh my god ah, ah! <laughs> Thank God you're leaving this I podcast. Know, but here in the EU, we have GDPR that can that can that that could have would that would that attend in that thing? Would you be like GDPR if you said something in a day in a in a WhatsApp group? Would you have a reasonable expectation of privacy? Who knows? This isn't a GDPR podcast. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I, I feel like as if that 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 was that was very shady and and that actually. I mean, sending it to your employer who the boulets would well, she sent it to her employer. Yeah. Well, I guess they were former employees of all the others. I, yeah, I it's know. the screenshots yeah. that would come, that would get me. It's like sending screenshots instead of like just like writing out kind of like a synopsis of this is the te- the themes that have come up. Like you don't need to say like. But uh, is someone's opinion their personal data? I mean, this is such a boring conversation. I'm not sure if it is. Like, it's not like their PPS number or their. Address. But I think it's more like kind of like this person said. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. But anyway, you would have you, you would have, you'd have yeah, a reasonable okay. expectation of privacy within a WhatsApp group. But the other thing was apparently I've forgotten about this during the the wrestling challenge. Eva shouts at Astrid, um, "Was a stupid furry scum or something like that?" In a kind of like an offhand jokey kind of mm. um, an offhand kind of jokey kind of way, and on Twitter. Then Eva started being tagged into quite a bit of derogatory conversations around the furry community. And so she and Astrid have both come out in order to sort of say to people, you know, stop kink kink shaming people. People are into whatever they're in. Furryism or being part of the furry community is actually similar to being a drag queen because you get dressed up to be in a character. And like, this is all fine. But the fans are apparently... um, so the, the the fans of the show who were coming into both Astrid and uh, and Eva's mentions were being very judgmental towards furries and the furry community. There you go. I mean, a lot of people are judgmental towards the furries and the furry community, I guess. I, I don't mean that's the baseline of people <laughs> is judgmental toward the furry community. Look at us with our Twitter Twitter gossip. I this know. is like uh, what was your man the redhead guy oh my god what, Jake Yonsei yeah take, take, take check Yonsei. us out we're, yeah. we're Jake Yonsei queen Bussy <laughs> Bussy Yonsei Bussy the, Bussy the boots yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's can we discuss what we were saying at the start which is I have a big issue with the fright feet this season I think it's the stakes are really low you know they kind of teased it, which was like, "Oh, you're gonna do the five feet before the main challenge, and if you fail it, you 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 know you're out of the competition straight away." That has not come to pass yet. I think it probably may in the next few episodes, but there was so many times that I was like, "Well, everyone's gonna win." Like, there, at no point was anybody actually at peril of not passing it. There was that drowning challenge, which felt like everyone was gonna be unsubmerged from the water at the same amount of time, and that there was no way that they could untie the padlock. So it was yeah. basically just waterboarded on tv kind of i guess that's not waterboarding but um the arm wrestling competition i mean 
You know, yeah. People do that at the pub. Uh, tug of war, uh, you know, not exactly squid game. And then the the one in the wrestling, that was the arm wrestling, sorry. The one in the prom was the, was eating the brains. And, you know, that, that was a challenge. And the peppers was a challenge as well. But, like, there was no consequences for the last person or if people refused to eat it and stuff like that, that we saw. Yeah. Which is like, well, what's the point of doing it then? I don't understand. It just takes away from No, me. absolutely. And I think that the only way that they could introduce kind of some kind of stakes is by creating a hamper for someone who finishes last or kind of like making some kind of a, a time restriction. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want that because I want to see the best drag I can possibly see. I want to see the best and most exciting characters that I can see. So I don't want you to say, oh, Oh, so you finished last in the pig brain eating contest. So you now only have 45 minutes to do your makeup because I want to see what Hoso, you know what I mean? So it's, it's like, I, yeah. I agree with you on that. I don't know what the place of it is. And I think this is the problem that Dragula is going to have as it continues to grow into something more mainstream is that it needs to figure out, like it, it can't go back to the kind of roughy tufty days of like literal mud wrestling and like beating the crap out of people and tattooing people because that duty of care piece and the sort of responsibility to, to bigger and bigger networks where they will or won't be affiliated with particular things becomes an issue and I think that they have moved it out of the sort of they've moved it out of that elimination slot to allow producers to have more of a hand in kind of who does or doesn't go home so like there is more because like you know there's more of a sense of what well, we can kind of direct what way things go much more mm. and I think that they don't like I I think ultimately it's probably something that they'll have to move away from because i also think it kind of is at odds with their messaging about what sort of a show Mm. they are yeah i mean i take your point which is like you know you don't want to see somebody go home because they couldn't eat chilies when they were a fantastic artiste but i also find the idea of having like i think what makes all stars 2 of drag race so fun is that it was such a revolving door of the cast like tatiana's gone but now she's back and then you know like I love the idea of a cast that it's like, God, who knows who's going to be back next week or who, you know, who at the final five are going to be. Whereas you like that bit of structure in a usual season because you don't know the characters yet and you're trying to get to know them. You're going to see their arcs through. I would have loved the opportunity, you know, to like, you know, if they if they didn't have that double Shantae and they kicked Eva out and then they had, you know, someone come back in, Eva come back in, kick Astrid out or Astrid came back in. Onyx, yeah. you know, Kendra Onyx came out like I'd love that element of change and people coming and going the whole time I think that would add a real element of, of excitement to things and that's kind of what it promised to, to me suggest, but I, it's not paying it off I'm going to suggest a new direction please feel free to clip this up and send it to the Boulets <laughs> via Saint if via you wouldn't Saint, mind yeah. I'll DM it to Saint <laughs> and she'll get it to <laughs> I think that for because I like <clears throat> I enjoyed the format of All-Star 7 where the queens were all competing across mm. the entire season and there was sort of a sense of kind of like it was building up your, your legacy over the season. I think they have six slots in every episode to compete on the main stage. The Fright Feet, all ten people compete every week in the Fright Feet in order to win one of those six slots. And therefore, it's like at the end of the season, your points are worked out based on like how well you did, but you have to qualify Mm. in each week in order to participate in it. So you then have that sense of like, you know, oh, like, oh, will Victoria Black is like this amazing queen who kind of is undoubtedly kind of like the the best. But is she able to win enough, you know, eat enough chilies to get into the top six? of that week whatever it is there's something that would like give a purpose to it that feels like it's something other than just like a bit of unnecessary like gore for us all to like stare at yeah i think that's a great idea 
I don't like I I would veer away from legendary legend stars. Like I oh, I would keep yeah. keep the point system abstract like it is normally. But you'll know that someone can't win, you know, if we've only seen them on the main stage twice, can't you? That's the way. So uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think I think you should write a letter to them and let them know it. Yeah, well, uh, oh, that's, oh, there's my brother calling me on WhatsApp. Well, look, we'll ignore him for the moment. <laughs> We've got four maps to change. Right, well, we better round it up. So, uh, so I think we've both agreed it's an Eva, Coco, Victoria final. And we bought one Coco to win. Is that what we're saying? I would agree with that, yeah. I think that... Maybe... Hang on, I can just... Oh, thank God. Maybe I want to see Eva um, win. I'm not sure. But... Um, no, I, I, I feel like Victoria and Coco are the, Victoria and Coco are, are kind of the, the two that are made to butt heads in the final because there is that kind of real mm. underdog queen that is kind of like, you know, doing it on a shoestring, doing it all with charisma. And then there is Victoria who arguably has less charisma, but is sort of so well armed in what they, uh, they they need to do in the competition so I'm excited to see that final and I hope it's a top two I hope they don't pretend that there's a top three so there's five one two there's five left there's three episodes left so it's, it will be a top three if one person goes home each week I think they will have to make that promise of if you fail the f- right feet someone comes back yeah, they I'm will need to wondering do that. whether Astrid will go next week and Abhora will come back. <laughs> she is like the I... cockroach in a nuclear holocaust <laughs> or a nuclear, yeah, is it holocaust? Nuclear, you know, Armageddon. <laughs> she is not going away. Um, no, I don't think so. I would like to see Melissa come back, but I don't know that we're going to get Melissa coming back because so. Melissa is listed listed as quit on the on the internet. Mm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I, you know, we've discussed how the drama is is impacting it. Are you generally excited to finish off the season, or are you kind of like? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's it. No, I I. There's not the same level of excitement as I had with 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 Dragula last year. I think I'll be excited to see it back with a new cast, a fresh cast of of people, where you don't have the like sort of pre existing drama hanging over your um pre existing drama hanging over your your kind of head mm-hmm. of like people who know each other have worked together. So I think that'll be fun to see next year. I, I am excited to see how the, the the competition wraps up. But I'm also like not as excited. Oh my god, this is the best thing ever that I was with it last. last do you year. care more about it than you do Canada versus the world? Do you know I thought I would, but I don't think I do. I think I'm preferring Canada versus the world. Do you? Says it all. Yeah, yeah. Says it all. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back to cover the final episode uh, or final episodes of Dracula in a few weeks. And we have to negotiate yeah. Christmas at some point, but it'll be with you before January, probably. Mm. <laughs> as a as a lovely as a lovely send off to twenty twenty two. Exactly. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks for supporting us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.